Part two of our doubleheader this week on the Indie Ball Report, we bring you our interview with TJ Zerowitz, the hitting coach for the Road Warriors of the Atlantic League, and he has a lot of experience in the Pecos League, so you'll be want to listen to this one here on the Indie Ball Report podcast. All right, we're back again, a rare midweek edition of the Indie Ball Report podcast. And as we said in the intro, it's a doubleheader this week. Last uh, well, last Saturday, you heard from Joe Torrey, our interview with him. And again, we thank him for coming on the show. We do appreciate it. And it was a very good interview. If you didn't listen to it, we do highly recommend pausing this episode, going back, listening to it again, because it really was a quality interview, and we do build off of that interview a lot when we discuss this interview a little bit later in the show, uh, and we'll recap it quickly uh, once you finish listening to this interview with TJ. Um, again, uh, we'd like to thank TJ for coming on the show, too. He definitely provided a lot of insight to us. He brought up some interesting points and really gave us a good glimpse into what life in the Pecos League is like. And he definitely brought some differing perspectives that we're very eager to talk about. So we'll quickly just, uh, again, I'll hand it over to my co-host to quickly give a little bit of a preview of what's to come over the next hour for your listening pleasure. So what's really about to start here is what TJ gets into which is really fascinating. It's just the life of a Pecos League player and manager and the day-to-day realities of what that is. So what I think is so great about what TJ is able to do for us is give us this insight, this look into the fact that the league, as we referenced in the last episode, is a grinder league. It is not a league for guys who are going to think they're going to show up and be posh and, you know, make Instagram videos and that's going to be good enough of them hitting off the tee. This is a league for guys who are trying to work as hard as they can to better themselves. And for TJ, this league has worked really, really well. Andrew Dunn, whom he mentions over and over again, is somebody who he really looks up to, somebody who clearly has had a huge impact on him. And so he gives us the look that's a little bit different from Joe's. Joe, obviously now in a little bit of a rips with the Pecos League, had some things to say about the league that and Andrew that you know may conflict with TJ a little bit here. And so I thought it was really interesting to get TJ's take, talk about the different things, the life of a Pecos League player. Some hotels aren't great. Some accommodations aren't the best. But what he did say is that he thought Andrew Dunn was a really fair guy. And we didn't hear that from Joe, right? We heard from Joe that Andrew Dunn is looking out for Andrew Dunn. And from TJ, we hear uh, Andrew Dunn is looking out for his players. And so to me, I think that there's really, uh, he does a really interesting job of just showing you what life is like, kind of explaining who Andrew Dunn is, at least on a, on a macro level. And really just overall, this is a good interview. He is a very uh, interesting character, uh, TJ. And I, I just think, uh, again, I, I want to appreciate him uh, for coming on. Thank him for coming on. Uh, we really appreciate it. And he just does a wonderful job uh, of kind of giving us a different insight. Uh, and maybe a conversely, uh, conversely looking at it a little bit. Exactly. I'll echo that sentiment. He really did show the kind of 
will and determination you have to have to make it in the Pecos League. How you do have some guys to come in thinking it's not going to be that rough. How it's just going to be like any other minor league digs. How it's going to be like they were when they played D2 or D3 college. That kind of thing. And they're in for a bit of a rude, a rude awakening in that league. How you have to be prepared to do a whole bunch of things that, you know, under ideal circumstances you wouldn't have to do. But, you know, it's it's a little bit of drudgery. It's a grinder league. And you got to you got to be willing to put up with it if you want to move on. And as he says several times in the interview, if you don't like it, it's part of the deal. It's part of the experience. You chose to come out here and play. If you don't like it, play better, move on, go to another league, get yourself signed to another league. And he does raise a lot of points. And you you're definitely spot on. He does have some admiration for Andrew Dunn. He is says repeatedly, Dunn has never wronged me in any way. I've always had positive experiences with him. And, you know, he does, he doesn't dance around the fact that currently there are some players that aren't going to be allowed in the, in the league. And I think it's a really insightful piece that we get from him. And again, thank you for coming on, DJ. We appreciate it. We'd love to have you back on again at another point, at another date. But, uh, yeah, I think we can turn it over now to my interview with TJ Zarwitz, the former manager of the, the Santa Fe Fuego and current hitting coach for the Road Warriors of the Atlantic League. All right, we are back, and now we are joined by TJ Zarowitz, a Frontier, or not Frontier League, a Pecos League guy. He knows his stuff, and now for this year, and do correct me if I'm wrong, you are going to be the hitting coach with the Road Warriors of the Atlantic League. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for I, I appreciate uh, you guys reaching out, and um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm a guy that, that kind of started in the Pecos League, and you know, now, now I'm going to work, uh, you know, prospectively this summer with, with the Atlantic League's Road Warrior team. You know, Ellie, Ellie Rodriguez, who, who's the manager, mm-hmm. uh, re- reached out, uh, back in December and, and, you know, offered me, offered me the job and, and, you know, I've, I've accepted with open arms and, you know, fully embraced the position and, you know, just continue to, continue to develop my, my skill set, you know, as a coach and, and, you know, a younger guy who's, who's trying to advance, you know, through the ranks of independent baseball and, and, and ultimately affiliated ball is, is, is kind of a, a goal of mine. Um, you know, and, 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 and personally I've seen, you know, I, I've seen steady progression in myself as a, as a coach and, you know, as a person and, you know, my, my years and time in the Pecos league, um, you know, I, I have to credit, I have to credit Andrew Dunn in, in the Pecos League for providing me an opportunity and a, in a, in a platform to, you know. Yeah, to try and develop yourself as a manager, because I've seen when I was doing research beforehand that you've been managing a, I believe it's Santa Fe since, uh, 2016, or at least start halfway through 2016, and then worked with Selena, and then I believe Hollywood in 2018, correct? Yeah, so well, in, in 2018, you know, I, I actually did the I I managed the first nine games uh, for the Solana Stockade in in the Can Am League strictly in Canada, okay. and then I managed nine games for the Hollywood Stars in the Can Am League, all in Canada. So I, I, you know, essentially ran two of those teams. Yeah. Um, 
you know, in the Can-Am while also being in charge of, of my team in Santa Fe. So oh, you were okay. running like three teams at one point all at the same time. Literally running three teams at one time, you know. That's quite a feat. I mean, it, it was it was hectic that year, but, you know, we got through it, made it happen. Um, yeah. You know, at, at, at the end of the, the international tour in Canada, yeah. I mean, I, I drove... I drove 36 hours from Quebec City to Garden City, Kansas. Oh God! To that, to, to play the next day. That that's a brutal trip. And that's no that's no shit. I yeah. mean that's yeah. I mean that's yeah. that's powering through it. I mean we we took a you know we took a break in Cleveland for an hour, and then we we dropped a guy off at the airport, yeah. took a break uh, in Kansas City for an hour, yeah. uh, Missouri, and then and then we just drove the rest of the way and. Drove through like a borderline severe, <laughs> severe thunderstorm or, you know, whatever you want to call it. I got, I got nervous. I mean, I, I never saw wind like that. And like, I'm like, man, we got to beat this storm. And we, we kind of outran the storm. It was, uh, yeah, you drove through the beginnings of what trip. sounds like a tornado. <laughs> I mean, it was, I mean, we were in a vehicle, uh, big Ford, um, expedition. Brand okay. new. Um, and yeah. it was blowing that vehicle around. It was a little, uh, it was a little yeah. sketchy, but you know, we, we made it and you know, we got to the, we got to the hotel and, and that was in garden city at the time. And, you know, people talk about oh, all these horrible hotels and stuff. Well, in garden yeah. city, you know, we used to stay in a, in a, in a, a Marriott oh, okay. type hotel. Yeah. So that's pretty good. <laughs> um, which, you know, yeah. I've been in the American Association, the Can-Am, and, and this was a American Association standard type hotel. Really? Okay. That, I'm kind of surprised by that because I know personally I've heard from various players and various people that when it comes to the Pecos League, that there is a, a certain standard that you become used to that's not quite the standard across the uh, – the rest of independent league baseball. Now, of course, no one's going to sure. have the the highest level digs in in the independent level, even at the affiliated minor league level. But still, can you just kind of talk more about what it's like both on the road as a coach, as a player in the Pecos League? Yeah, I mean the the you know that's pretty much what you are, man. I mean you're 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 on the road. Um, you know our schedule in Santa Fe pretty much consisted of. You know, playing every Thursday through Sunday in Santa Fe, um, where, you know, every single player was, was housed, uh, with a host family. Okay. And, you know, we, we would travel on the road Monday, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So, um, you know, let's say that, you know, Monday night we, we, we play in, uh, Roswell or, or white, a uh, white sands, you know, we would typically, uh, leave that morning, arrive in town, check into the hotel, you know, go to the field, get our early work in, hit BP, and and then play the game. Um, you know, yeah, you yeah. know, setups in in you know Roswell yeah. or or a uh, you know White Sands or Trinidad, you know, some of these uh, places. I mean, you know, sometimes stay in a Motel Six or or a motel uh, type deal, but. You know, other cities that we stayed in, uh, Tucson, Arizona, Garden City, Alpine. I mean, you know, th- those are some places yeah. uh, that have a little bit, 
you know, nicer of a, of a hotel and, um, yeah, those bigger cities are know. obviously going to have, you know, nicer accommodations and you're going to be able to kind of adapt to it more. But and sometimes you, but it doesn't sound like at all, like it's this, uh, you know, kind of horror slugfest that I've been led to believe. No, I mean, you know, some of these hotels, I mean, you know, some are American association standards. Some are, you know, your run of the mill, regular motel six kind of a, a of a budget motel. I mean, you're, yeah. you're going to get, you know, you're going to get a little bit of, um, you know, uh, I, I guess you could say riffraff or, or, or character type material at, at a motel type you yeah, know, place, mean, but you know, yeah, it, realistically, I mean, you know, it's what you ball expect. Game, ball game goes, you know, seven, ten, you know, to ten o'clock. You know, by the time you, you, you get back, you eat a little something. You know, it's eleven o'clock, midnight. You're pretty much there to go to sleep, wake up, and, and, and do the deal. I mean, you know, I, I never had. Uh, in, in, in the three and a half, four years that, that, that I spent in the Pecos League, I'm, I, I really never had, you know, any issues with, with any of these, any of these hotels. I mean, um, you know, it would be the same as if you're, you're traveling, uh, state to state or across the country. And it just depends on your budget, you know, where yeah. you want to stay. I mean, the more you pay, the nicer hotel you get, the less you pay, you know, yeah. more middle of the road deal. That's, that's just what it is. And, um, you know, all the hotels, every single year that I was there, every single hotel was paid for by the league. No player ever had to spend any money out of his pocket to, to sleep. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of the, that's kind of the deal. I mean, uh, yeah. the commissioner always took care of us on the road. Um, you know, as best yeah. he could. I mean, we, we always had a place to stay. Yeah, he got you to and from and made sure that you weren't going to be waiting in the lobby going, well, they didn't pay the bill. So you never, you would never encounter that problem in the Pecos League. So, you know, we never, we never, we never had issues with that. If there was issues, you know, I got right on the phone and, and we sorted it out in, in, in about five minutes. You yeah. know, sometimes the, the hotel might have been a little bit delayed on their check in or, you know, we yeah. may have arrived at the hotel an hour before check-in, and, and, and there yeah. may have been issues there. But, but there was never anything out of the usual. No, there was everything that was expected happened. Yeah. Right. Then I'm I'm just kind of I'm going to kind of shift gears a little bit and just kind of ask about sure. how the like from opening like from the end of the season to end of the season basically how is the Pecos League run? So you get there in spring to set up your roster, get your guys, you have your camp set up, then take me from that point on. Okay. So, I mean, you know, guys would get there, you know, do about eight days of spring training. Okay. Um, you know, solidify the, the, the roster for, for where, it, you know, for where it stands, you, you know, you, you keep your 22 players. Okay. Um, typically I, I kept 11 position guys, 11, 11 pitchers. Yeah. Um, you know, five, five starters in that group. I mean, I, I, I always ran, um, you know, a five man rotation sometimes, uh, in, in, in a couple of the seasons I, I ran a, I ran a six man rotation at the, at, at, at the first two weeks of the season, just to kind of, uh, accommodate for any college level player that we had that was, um, you know, he was a little bit, 
uh, on a schedule of, of more of a five or a six day rest type deal. So yeah. I, I did that to, you know, just kind of make it easier for them to transition into yeah, the professional exactly. level. Just make that transition period into a five man rotation. And, you know, we pretty much would play seven days a week for, for two months. I mean, you know, two, typically two off days in that time, uh, in that time frame. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and there was a lot of, um, you know, just preparation day to day. I mean, you, you're, you're always having to look, you know, look, look a day or two down the road, uh, as far as pitching is concerned, just to make, just to make sure that, that, that you have enough arms to, to get through the games, um, yeah. and, 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 and do that with success. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but it, 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 you know, from season open to, to season finish, you know, it's, it's, it's a daily deal, man. I mean, there's yeah. no off days, you know, as a player, you, you definitely have to, you know, maintain the, 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 the shape and condition of your body. I mean, a lot of these, a lot of these teams, uh, in the Pacons League, I mean, it, they, they play in, in pretty serious elevation. Um, so, you know, what you do to your body, you know, what you eat, you know, how you take care of it in the gym and, and whatever you need to do. I mean, that's a serious deal. I mean, you, you really need to take care of your body, uh, if you're going to last for, you know, 64, 70 games. Um, and play all, every single day. I mean, guys get beat up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The elevation point is something that I never really considered before, but now that you bring up, you do play basically or mainly in New Mexico, Arizona, the Trinidad's in Colorado, if I'm right. So you do have those yep. higher elevation cities yeah, there. Mean, so that, that must really affect, especially like uh, outfielders, infielders, particularly. Just, you know, yep. it, 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 it takes about, you know, it takes about two weeks for for your body to become fully acclimated uh, to to a new elevation level. You know, if yeah. you're if you're a guy that comes from a, a, a sea level type deal or yeah. um, you know anywhere else in the country, I mean, it, it takes about two weeks uh, to kind of fully get acclimated and, and feel comfortable uh, in your own body in that elevation. And and I've seen players uh, get serious. Uh, elevation sickness, which essentially is just, uh, from what I, I understand, is a, a pretty much a severe dehydration, you know, because you, yeah. your, your body doesn't, it seems to not sweat as much. So you don't know, you really don't know that you're becoming dehydrated. So it's, it's very important to, you know, stay hydrated and, and drink your fluids, you know, pretty much. Yeah. You know, uh, you need to stay uh, on top you know, of what, yourself. You know, <laughs> It's self-explanatory, but you know, I, I have seen guys that, that come from sea elevation uh, yeah. places, and and you know, they didn't hydrate within their first few days, man. And, and I I saw guys get, you know, there's really only yeah. two players that come to mind, but um, but yeah, you know, no, you notice that they they're finding out why it's important to keep drinking, stay hydrated, keep in good shape, and stay yeah. on top of the fitness and well-being because if you don't it's only going to be a couple of days before you start feeling it right you know so you know if you if you prepare your body and if you're a guy that's in shape and takes care of himself you're going to have no issues but it can be a factor for for some players absolutely exactly and i think that kind of leads into my next question here which is what kind of player would you look for when you were building your roster is there a certain mold of a player or a certain level of experience that you tended to 
gravitate towards or was it just whoever looks the best is going to be on the team and I'll kind of adapt my style around that? I mean, there's definitely certain players that, that I look for. I mean, you know, if you look at rosters that I've had, I mean, I've had guys with affiliated experience, uh, guys that played Division One, Division Two, Division Three, NAIA. Um, you know, the the type of player that that I always try to keep an eye out for. I, I looked for I looked for guys that, that that played shortstop in college. You know, guys that that I knew were very athletic, and guys that you know, if I needed to move them to the outfield, I could do that. If you know, we need to move a guy around the infield or, or play another position. That's why I, you know, this is generally speaking about position players, but, yeah. um, you know, I, I, I looked for a guy that I knew was an athlete, somebody that, you know, could, yeah. could, could basically do anything that I asked of him, um, you know, on the field. If, you know, you take a, a, a shortstop, well, he can probably, you know, play the outfield a little bit better than maybe an outfielder that is limited to only the outfield. You know, I, I can't move that guy to the infield if I needed, um, just because we have such limited roster space. You know, th- those are factors to consider. Um, you know, most of the guys that I've had though, you know, a lot of, a lot of division two level guys, NAIA. Um, but if you go through last year's, you know, this is just last year's roster. I mean, there was a mix of guys. I mean, we had Division One guys um, that may have had yeah. independent experience. You know, we had guys that were true rookies out of Division One colleges. We had guys that were, you know, Division Two right out of Division Two. Um, you know, things yeah. like that. And then there's, you know, then there's the pitching side of things. You know, I, I that's it's it's one thing that you know that I'll admit that that. Over the years, I mean, I, I, I struggled a little bit in finding quality arms. Um, you know, Santa Fe is is not an easy place to pitch. You know, yeah. when, 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 when you speak of, of the elevation um, and maybe a little bit smaller of a facility, you know, a, a guy that is a, a mid to upper 80s player, you know, yeah. with, with fastball velocity, you know, in a, in, a, in a second or a third pitch, I mean, you know, he may find better success in a Bakersfield type place, bigger field, lower elevation. Um, you know, and and an average pitcher in Santa Fe, he ends up getting hit. He's going to give up yeah. his hits, and if you walk guys, then you're um, just done. You know, you're you're in for some trouble. You know, so pitching. You know, over the years, I mean, what I looked for out of guys, I mean, I, I looked for guys that were, that were upper eighties, uh, and, and, and plus with velocity that, that, that had a second pitch guys that, you know, were three pitch guys with velocity ended up always moving on to the next level. But, you know, it's, it's, it's very challenging to find quality pitching, you know, no matter where you're at. So there would, there would always be, you know, a handful of guys that I had, um, that, Essentially, I, I had them out of necessity. You know, we needed yeah. arms to get through games, and I was the guy that, you know, would would give give a chance to a guy. You know, yeah. I had a guy reach out, or I reach out to a player. You know, if these guys were willing to make the trip out there, and and you know they showed me that they were all in, and and this is what they wanted to do, I gave a guy an opportunity. 
you know, yeah. you know, whether, you know, whether his skill set says that he's a pro ball player or not, you know, there's some guys in the Pecos league that are very talented professional athletes. I mean, there's been guys that move on to the big leagues, uh, you know, down yeah. the line. Um, but then there's some guys that, you know, yeah. they may not be a big league caliber or an affiliated caliber player, but there's some guys that you need to fill in and fill roster spots. And that's, that's just the case. Uh, just because as the season goes along, you see the wear and tear. And then, like you're saying, with the altitude, it starts to wear down on you a bit quicker, especially if you're not in that uh, peak uh, fitness form there. And right. I'm and, going to imagine and, a lot of the, just to quickly kind of toss sure. this on here, I'm going to imagine a lot of the guys that you look for, kind of like you were saying, they're dedicated guys. They want the opportunity. They're hungry. They're going to go through everything. They're going to follow your instructions in staying hydrated, staying in shape, keep working and have that kind of uh, grinding mindset, I think is the best way of putting it. Yeah. And, 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 and that's all. I mean, you know, it's not that we had a, you know, a strict regimen for guys that, that came in, but you know, the guys that, you know, I signed in, in, in Santa Fe and these various teams, you basically just, you know, you, you monitor, uh, what they are doing day to day. And if, if, if they can verify and prove that they have an individual plan for their body and, and for themselves, you know, we, we allow guys to stay to that plan. Now, if, 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 if a player approaches me and says that I need help, I'm going to help them. I'm yeah. going to help them, uh, in developing a, a, a routine, uh, in a, in a daily plan, um, you know, to, to keep their body in shape and keep their arm and keep their back, uh, ready to go. But, you know, most of these guys come in with a plan. And if, if you prove that, that, that you're a guy that shows up and gets his early work in, you know, there's no issues, man. I'm going to run you out there. You're going to play. And this is your opportunity. The ball's in your hands. And, you know, this is your chance, you know? Exactly. Yeah. It's just, you have to be able to understand that there is going to be a transition from going from that college level to now a professional level where you're now always going to have the guy on top of you saying, you got to get your, you got to get your work and you got to get it done. It's going to be your responsibility to handle it. Yeah. It's, it's just, ex it's expected of the player once he's there. You know, exactly. these guys are, if, if, if you're going to be a professional athlete, you know, there's various things that you need to do in your daily routine that, you know, uphold that term of professional athlete, you know, yeah. um, you know, we're, we're not there necessarily to hold these guys' hands, you know, uh, me as a coach. I mean, I'm there to, I'm there to monitor your mechanics. And if, if you have questions and, and if you're seeking advice and if you want uh, instruction, you know, that's where early work comes into play. Hey, I'm at the field, uh, you know, at, at, at noon every day, you know, I'm, I'm the guy that's going to be there for you, you know, to throw you early batting practice, to hit you early ground ball work, uh, you know, to work on backhands, you know, to work on, uh, reads in the outfield, to work on, on, uh, your, your bullpen sides. You know, I, I played both sides of the ball as far as, you know, uh, being the manager with these teams. I mean, we really don't, um, you know, I never really had in 2017, you know, I, I had, uh, assistant coaches, but, you know, mostly it was just me. So, you know, it's just me, you know, monitoring all, all of the players, you know, to the best of my ability. Yeah. Um, and you know, the, the, 
you know, what you do on the field, that's up to you, man. The ball's in your hand. Um, and I'm there to, to help you along the way with, with whatever is needed. But, you know, there, yeah. there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that, you know, being a manager in the Pecos league, I mean, you, you have to wear multiple hats. I mean, you know, I'm just making sure the field's ready. Um, you know, coordinating with, with the general manager, um, you know, about first pitch and, and, and sign baseballs and coordinating with the, um, you know, the statistician that, you know, he or she is, is, has the lineups and, and making sure game balls are ready to go, making sure the field is lined, making sure the field is dragged. You know, that there's, there's, there's a lot of checkpoints that, that we would go through on a daily basis that, you know, yeah, you none have- of this, none of this is hard. Um, but you know, it's just a, it's just a checks and balances. Yeah. It's just, if you have a lot of this stuff to do, then, you know, sometimes you, you can't be watching all 22 guys on your roster here. The guys that want the help and need the help, they need to seek that out. And like you say, they got to get to the field early and say, Hey, can you help me with this? And the guys that, you know, they don't show the effort they're they don't seem to care. They're going to get weeded out because like you said, you have, uh, yeah. you have a slew of other things to do that, you know, under ideal situations would be somebody else's job, but there's no one else to do it. So someone has to. Right. So there's, you know, and, and that's why it's, you know, a lot of guys that, 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 that come to the Pecos league. I mean, it's kind of your individual opportunity to, to prove your skill set. You know, yeah. there, there's nothing that, you know, yeah. uh, the coaches and, and, and staff, you know, definitely add assistance along the way and provide the player the platform to prove their skill set. And here it is, man. This is your if you're if you're a guy that says that he can play in the American Association, well, here it is, man. Here here is an opportunity to play in the Pecos League and put up, you know, two hundred at bats or, or get sixty, seventy innings on the mound. This is your opportunity to prove your skill set. And if you can prove that you can at minimum hit this pitching, play every day, keep your body healthy, or get guys out it in seven thousand feet with a you know a three hundred foot fence to right field, you know, in the seven thousand foot ele- elevation. You know, if you have a, a, a sub five earned run average, you know, with with a, a, a strikeout per inning, um, you know, a, a, a good uh, strikeout to walk ratio, you know, that those are uh, proven methods that, that, that you can prove you can get guys out or you can hit, you know, you can at minimum hit at this level and prove you can get on base while at the same time, you know, keep your body in shape during a season where you play every single day, you know, have, have, you know, some teams have, you know, brutal travel schedules. I mean, we, we were blessed in Santa Fe um, to have a relatively, you know, moderate travel schedule. You know, we were a team that was able to have a routine with, you know, we knew that we were going to be home on the weekends, travel early in the week. So guys could get in a routine and, you know, within their own mind, prepare to travel, prepare to play. You know, most of our road trips, you know, three hours, four and a half hours, you know, a couple seven hour trips. I mean, those are, you know, those are things that, Hey man, it's, you know, the, my motto, uh, in all these years, anytime a player wanted to complain about something, I can, you know, continuously just re- reminded guys that it's all part of it. 
You know, exactly. I, 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 I saw that from someone years ago and it, and it resonated with me and it, it was a good, you know, mantra to go by. Hey, it's all part of it, man. You know, you don't like it, play better. You know, quit bitching. You got to have, you know, you might have to do field work. You might have to get there early and uh, help carry the water down. You might have to uh, help open up the press box, the, 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 the gates and the doors for our press box. They weighed in 200 pounds for whatever reason, you know, uh, the, the, yeah. you know, the, some of the women that, 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 you know, helped out with ticket, uh, ticket sales and, 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 and the ticket window, like, you know, there were guys that needed to help prepare things that were outside of focusing on baseball. But Hey man, guess what? It's all part of it. If you're a sweet player, you, you know, you'd be an affiliated ball. You would have been scouted. You would have been seen. And that's just not the case. So guess what? You have to add in and help out. And if you embrace those things, that's it, man. It, it makes it makes the experience that much more enjoyable. Exactly, and I mean, they. It also comes down to they chose it. You chose that you wanted to try and carve out a career playing baseball. So you weren't that top level. Now you got to work a little bit harder. Now you got to do some things that you probably don't want to do, but only you right. can control how long you're here. Like you say, uh, if you don't want to be here, you don't want to be doing this. Play better. Play and better. That, and that, yeah. You know that that goes. That goes uh, in, into factoring in, you know, with me in Santa Fe. There were some guys that, you know, yes, there may have been more talented players out there. Um, but guess what? If there's a guy that, you know, I know I can run out onto the mound or, or into the field that is also going to uh, in, in, embrace these other aspects of helping out an organization – I'm going to keep that guy around versus a guy who's just selfish to himself, doesn't want to help, doesn't want to help carry water, doesn't want to water the field, doesn't want to help rake. You know, we're going to let that guy go and we're going to keep a guy that, that helps continue, build and run our organization. You know, yeah. whether, you know, he might have a lower skill set than a player, but, you know, there's certain things that, you know, if you have, the type of players and, and type of guys that are willing to help out, well, that helps yeah. run the organization. So I'm going to keep that guy around, Yeah, you know? Yeah, it goes to something that I heard a, a while back, which was always do the little things, even if you don't think someone's watching, because people notice. Just because you're the, uh, just because absolutely. you're the, yeah, just because you're the high up guy, you could be the CEO of a company, still pick up the trash, still help someone find their seat, still do just the little things, cause people notice it. They take, they take note of it. And it, it just goes to, plus it's just the right thing to do. Don't, just don't leave your guys hanging. And, you know, you know, that's, and that's one of the, you know, one name I can throw out there and, and, and he's a New Jersey guy. Um, a guy that, that, showed up this is 2016 showed up every single day he embraced it man this guy watered the field every single day his name's louis martini okay one of the greatest guys in the world second baseman infielder um he's a guy that embraced it you know he, he played in the pecos league a little bit in the pacific association you know he's a guy that never bitched you know never never complained he just wanted to play ball, man. And there's a lot of guys like that that, that that were given the opportunity, you know, to have a platform to play on. 
And, and Louie is a guy that, um, you know, showed up every day and embraced it. And you need guys like that. That is how these organizations, you know, operate on a day-to-day basis. There's not a grounds crew. Uh, although in Santa Fe, we were very fortunate to have the city on our side. Um, and, 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 and the city, the city personnel and workers, um, you know, they helped us, man. They watered the field. They they dragged it before uh, the start of every day. And, you know, they, they did what they could. And, and, and I was thankful to, you know, have guys like that because, I you know, I may not have had access to, uh, you know, a, a gator or a golf cart to drag it, you know. Yeah. Before the game, you know, we, we, we hand-drugged the field every day. We had yeah. guys, if you want your infield position to be smooth, um and and be right yeah. well guess what you're gonna go out there and you're gonna drag that mother and that's just what it is yeah, and if you if you want to complain about it well we're gonna find another guy that can play just as well um and who's gonna help take care of the, the facility and those yeah. are the type of guys that i was always looking for yeah and being that type of guy it managed to get you into the atlantic league now on ellie rodriguez's staff can you kind of explain or talk a little bit about how it's been? I know you only got part of that staff in December, and obviously we haven't been able to do too much with it, being that, you know, we've had this whole virus thing going around. But just so far, what kind of contact have you had with Ellie? What kind of hand have you had in signing the few guys that have already been signed? That kind of thing. I mean, the, the you know, the contact that I've had with Ellie, I mean, him and I have just, you know, we've just stayed in, in, in communications and, you know, just kind of call and, and, and talk ball with each other. And, you know, I, I recommend names and, and, you know, just give him, you know, as up to date information as I have. Um, as far as signing players, you know, Ellie, uh, in, in the league pretty much have, you know, full, full responsibility and full deal with that. Um, I don't really have too much of a hand in that. Um, you know, may have, you know, recommended a guy or two or, um, you know, just gave, um, you know, my, my insight into what, you know, what I think uh, a player's skill set is. Mm. So I really, I really haven't had any, uh, any, um, you know, dealing yeah. with, with signing, uh, individual players. I mean, that's, that's pretty much strictly been up to Ellie in, yeah. in the league office. But you are putting your, you are saying like, look, I like this guy, like this particular aspect of a swing. The numbers on this guy look good as opposed to this guy who have similar numbers, but because of league, you're giving your expertise on the matter though. And trying yeah, to, I mean, to, to a degree, but you know, in, in all honesty, man, yeah. you know, the league and Ellie, these get, these guys have been around for a very long time, man. They yeah. don't, you know, they're going to sign the players that they think can play. And that's it, man. Whoever we sign and whoever we bring out there, you know, those are the guys that, you know, that that's my new family. All right. You know, whenever I go into camp, whatever hitters are there and position guys, those are our guys, man. And, 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 and and I fully trust the the judgment of, you know, the league and and Ellie. And I know that they're going to be signing the right guys and, you know, you know, I may come across a guy or two that I think can play there, but you know, that's ultimately, you know, it's up to Ellie and in, in, in the league to make those, you know, determinations. Yeah. And 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 I fully 
fully back. You know, Ellie says, hey, we signed this guy. All right, let's go, man. I, I, this guy's a good player. You know, let's go. Let's, let's run him out there. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to be there every single day. Um, for, for a guy that wants to get early work in, whether that's, you know, working in the cage, working flips, extra front toss, extra BP, extra ground balls. I'm going to be the guy that's there every day to, to basically, you know, assist in the development. You know, I'm yeah. not, I'm not a guy that is there to, you know, correct your mechanics and tell you that you're doing this, you're doing that. You know, I'm the on duty guy to, to help out and, you know, uh, assist the individual player in his individual development and performance. You know, I'll steal the, uh, I'll steal something from Ron Washington. Essentially, I'm the on duty mechanic. You know, a player comes to me and says, Hey, I, I'm feeling, I'm feeling this at the plate. All right. Well, we're going to, we're going to look at the video. And we're going to see if there's a, a, a mechanical issue. Um, and, and, you know, mostly, yeah. mostly it's not mechanics. You know, mostly it's, it, it has something to do with approach and, and pitch selection. You know, if we're yeah. talking about, uh, hitting, um, but on, on the defensive side of things, you know, we're, we're going to, we're going to break down, we're going to break down the fundamentals. I mean, we're going to make sure that, you know, you are fundamentally, correct in your mechanics and oh. we're going to talk about it on a, on a man-to-man basis and that's how we're going to help each other get better you know yeah exactly and it's just it's i always like looking into how different clubs run and the different roles of different people on those clubs because i find it just very interesting to see everybody's different approach in their in their role but yeah i just one other thing quickly on the atlantic league have you gotten any sort of indication when we're going to be getting going again for spring training or anything like that? Because I know they've pushed the start of the season back because of all this virus talk. Yeah, I mean, everything, uh, you know, as far as I know, everything is just kind of, you know, postponed right now. But I know yeah. that the league is the league is working hard to continue normal operation. You know, I've been in communication with the league office. I mean, um you know, they've done a tremendous job to kind of just keep normalcy uh, with everything. And, you know, as far as I know, everything's just kind of on, on the, on, on, on. Just kind of a wait and see. And, you know, we just kind of got to wait and see. And, and yeah. you know, but the league is, has operated as normal. I mean, guys continue to get signed. Um, you know, the, the, the league has been in communication for roster material uh, and things yeah. like that. Um but yeah, I mean, there's no, uh, everything's just kind of been yeah, really, been... I guess, as, as normal as, you know, the, the conditions are, um, yeah, because, you know, yeah, they continue is... to, to, to operate. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it definitely is kind of uncharted waters here where, you know, we've never had to really handle a situation like this before. And so normalcy really is the best possible outcome here. And just, you hope sooner than later that, you're able to get a season going and everything going because I mean, being in a world devoid of sports is just, it's not fun. <laughs> it's just, it's just terrible to have to see things keep getting pushed off. But you know, there's not much that can be done until the whole virus situation is under control. And the sooner that's under control, the sooner we can all get back to playing baseball. So 
before we just wrap up the whole interview here, I was just wondering if you had anything you'd like to just kind of say as a summary or anything you'd like to promote and anything of that nature. I mean, listen, nothing in particular. Um, you know, all, all that I can say is that, um, you know, I definitely would, would like to touch on, you know, again, kind of just on my experience in the Pecos League and, and that it, it really it really has provided me a platform to advance in my career. And, you know, it, it has provided me with, with many opportunities, you know, that, that I know that I really wouldn't have had otherwise. I mean, you know, I started in the Pecos league as a player turned into an interim manager player turned into a manager you know, then, you know, in, in 17, at the end of the season, I went and coached first base for 20 some days with Solana in, in, in the association, uh, and then managed the last 10 games of the season and then went back to the Pecos League and then got into the Can-Am League and ran international teams as, as a manager. And then last year back in the Pecos League and, you know, even went to, I even went to the Pacific Association for for a, about a month with San San Rafael, yeah. um, and and that is, you know, I I did all these things, you know, pretty much at my own will, and and you know, I've had some guidance, but it's pretty much just been you know myself and and you know talking to some guys and having some guidance from Andrew Dunn, um, and. You know, my time that I spent in the Pacific Association, you know, I, I attribute that to springboarding me into the Atlantic League because I was able to, um, you know, basically gain, gain the trust, uh, of, of the manager, Oscar Suarez. And, yeah. you know, I, I thank Oscar for, for recommending me to Ellie Rodriguez. And ultimately that's, that's why I'm, I'm where, where I'm at right now in the Atlantic League, and and that's that's all because of Oscar Suarez, because I drove from Santa Fe to San Francisco, California, and offered to throw BP and help as a bench coach for the rest of the year, hmm. and Oscar allowed me to do that, and I was able to prove that you know I can help players, I can I can help assist a professional level baseball team in in a lot of aspects of the game. And, you know, help a professional organization prepare on a day to day basis to win ball games. And that's, you know, that's exactly what happened there. Um, but ultimately in, 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 in the end game, man, you know, I, I have to thank Andrew Dunn for, for always taking care of me for everything, whether that's, you know, going to Houston, Texas and helping with, with the spring league and, um, you know, traveling to California to help sell sponsorships. And Andrew always took care of me. He always, I needed a hotel. Andrew took care of me. You know, as, as far as pay's concerned, Andrew always took care of me. And there's a lot of people and a lot of finger pointing that goes on within independent ball. And, you know, there's all this stuff and all this training, all this, you know, Everybody mm -hmm. says that, oh, Andrew, uh, you know, pay and conditions and it's so horrible and this is bad and, you know, you, you don't do enough. 
what people don't understand is that Andrew Dunn operates a professional league by himself. He owns every team except one team, and he does everything himself. He travels to all the cities. He flies to these places, meets with the, the, the city council and the, and, and the mayors and the, and the city personnel, and, and, and gets the beer licenses and, and you know, accommodates yeah. the stadiums and stadium leases. Andrew Dunn worked harder than any guy that I know, man. And he gets, he gets a lot of fingers pointed at him. And, you know, yeah, if he was able to pay guys $4,000 a month, he would do that, you know, but at the, at the end of the line, Andrew is a baseball guy. And what he does is provides players an opportunity to showcase their skill set for, you know, the, the, the opportunity to move on to a higher level league. And he does what he can to, to, to help these players out. And I really can't thank Andrew enough, you know, for, for providing me with, with some of these, you yeah. know, opportunities that I've had. And, and, and I just, I hate to see, I hate to see any type of turmoil or any type of, you know, regulation type stuff with, with players. Um, just because I know that Andrew, it, it, he looks out for, for the ball player's interest. And Andrew's taking care of me and my players for every single year that I've, you know, that I have known him and worked for him. He did everything in his power to accommodate and take care. You know, if, yeah. if he was a, you know, buku bazillionaire, well, yeah, he'd have, he'd have 10 St. Paul Saints stadiums and he would do it at that level. But guess what? You know, hey. all these people that want to point fingers and say, Oh, this is terrible. This is that. Well, you write the check. You pull out your, your, your checkbook and write the, 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 the thousands and thousands of dollars that it takes to operate, you know, at, at a high level. And you, you pay these people. You pay all the general managers, the statisticians, the umpires, the hotels, the players. It's a one man show. Andrew does so much work just to provide, you know, a baseline of, of opportunity for players to, to have a platform. And all the, the hatred or anything towards the Pecos League, it really, it really hits me hard because I don't see that, man. I don't, yeah. I don't see all the, oh, the travel. It's, you know, we had to drive seven hours. Well, you can come out here, man. You signed up for this. Why are you bitching about it? I, I promise you that the guys that moved on to the next level, yeah, they might have their stories about, oh, you know, travel was bad or, you know, we stayed at a, you know, a shitty hotel during spring training or whatever, but they embraced it, man. They, they knew yeah. that that was their opportunity. It's the guys that, that, that didn't perform well that have all these, you know, negative comments and, and negative stories that really just, you know, are, are so far enhanced and, basically not even not even true you know i mean it's it's a grinder type league 
you, you have to be prepared for certain things, but if you have a positive outlook on life and, you know, just who you are in general and what you want to do with, with your life, you know, you're, you're not going to have any issues. You know, if you're able to make it work for, for two months, you know, you, you might spend some money of your own. And, and, and in fact, you are going to spend money on your own, but that's everywhere else. Yeah. You know, you go to the, you know, yeah, it's not too dissimilar. What do you, what do you think? You're going to go to the, you're going to go to the frontier league as a rookie and make $600 a month and, and you're going to be, you know, you're going to be, you know, that's not, that's, yeah, it's not possible. It's just not going to happen. But, you know, that's, you know, that, that's just, that's really all that I have to say. And, yep. and I just, you know, my experiences in the Pecos League, you know, undoubtedly have provided opportunity and, and all the other players that I've had that moved on, you know, they started in the Pecos League, man. I mean, I, and I would love to, you know, touch base on this again. I, I'd love to send. Oh, you, we will absolutely, we, definitely have to have you back on again once I have, because, like, yeah. because, like, seriously, man, there's so many guys. Like, I can just rattle names off, and it's like, holy shit, man! Like that guy went from Santa Fe to the American Association. He went from there to the Frontier. I mean, I've had two guys go directly to the Atlantic League from Santa Fe, okay. and and you know, it's just I see a lot of players that are on this uh, this chase, okay? They're yeah. chasing, they're trying to get signed in the American or the Frontier or the Atlantic or affiliated ball, you know? Mm. But my recommendation is wh- why are you chasing these things when you can just, you can reach out to managers in, in, in the Pecos League or Andrew Dunn and maybe go to a sponsored event and you can just get into the Pecos League and go and play a 60-some game season. And if you do well, you're going to move on. It's a great place to go and prove yourself as a player, gain the experience that you need. And, uh, yeah, I think you shed a lot of light on the situation as someone that's very close to the league, has much experience in the league. And uh, we'll definitely have to have you back on again. Uh, one, one more thing, and uh, I want to touch on... The, the, basically the ultimate reason why you may see certain players banned. Okay. okay. Andrew, because Andrew is, is a, a, a true baseball guy to the bone. Hmm. You know, he sees a lot of these instructional events as pure money makers off of players. Andrew does not believe that what some of these leagues do is right. You know, I, I don't think that I can't speak for him, but mm. you know, what I believe is that it's Andrew's way of controlling these winter leagues and, and, and things of that nature, training stuff. It's Andrew's way of controlling guys that purely charge money to players mm. to, to play, to work out, you know, it's yeah. his way of, of of controlling that because he doesn't see he doesn't see a, a, a direct fit to to a certain league and a direct connection and that's just what he believes in. Yeah. And 
that's what it is. Yeah. You know, yeah, it, he wants it, to keep it, it, it as in-house as possible because he wants to ensure that the guys that go to these camps and spend any sort of money, they have something that they can at least walk away with, that they right. have at least it, a direct path. Exactly. And that's, and that's all that is. And, yeah. and my stance on, on, on the winter leagues and stuff, I mean, I, I've done them. Yeah. You know, I've been to the California winter league. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I, I met a lot of tremendous people out there. I, I, I met a lot of guys that, that gave me, you know, very credible advice. Um, you know, yeah. not necessarily guys that, that, that run it, but some of the, the scouts and, and some of the coaches, people yeah. that I was able to network with. And if, and if I had to give any player one piece of advice, if they're looking to sign in independent baseball is you have to network. You have to do what you can to meet the managers, meet the general managers, meet the scouts. You have to build a rapport with these people so you can prove your credibility. Now, you have to have an underlying talent, but, you know, part yeah. of it is networking and, and getting to know these individuals that are at those positions. Exactly. And networking goes for just about anything you do in this world. You need to know people and you need to know the right people so that way you get your shot. Uh, thank you very much for your time, TJ. You were very generous with it. And like I said, uh, we look forward to having you back on again. Yep. So sounds good, man. Thank you for, you know, reaching out. And, you know, I, I appreciate you guys having me on and, you know, more than glad to, more than glad to answer any any questions that you guys have and you know I, I appreciated this conversation very much i did too and just thank you again and it was our pleasure having you on all right so now we are on the other side of this thank you for coming on tj we do appreciate it and we look forward to having you back on again at a later point so I'm going to allow you to kind of get the ball rolling as traditionally I do here. I let you do the heavy lifting so I can piggyback off of it here. And uh, what were your kind of takeaways from this interview? So my takeaway is twofold. First, I think the most important thing that I want to highlight about TJ personally, he's a committed guy. Working hard is his way forward, his ticket to uh, as high as he can reach in the independent or affiliated baseball, as he did mention, is his goal. He has done a phenomenal job of working his way through and using the resources that have been available to him to the best of his ability. So I did want to point that out. And driving 36 hours uh, for the Pecos League is is incredible. And he's really an incredible guy yeah. uh, from just talking, uh, from having you talk to him and listening to the interview. It was really, really insightful. Yeah. 36 hours across two different countries, from Quebec to Kansas. Right. Uh, that was different countries that, that was insane and just before you get to your second point here what you touched on there with using the resource to get where he is it's mm -hmm. amazing to me that if the season had started on time and if it starts before before his birthday in june even he's going to be a 29 year old working in the atlantic league as a hitting instructor that is yep. amazing to me that and he has managerial experience he's been managing since 2016 about halfway through the season so since he was about uh, what 26 years old he's been the manager of a team and in a Pecos league where you know you're kind of the manager and you're the GM and you're a little bit of the team president too you kind of wear multiple hats and he's he's clearly qualified for this gig and he I mean between the various travel stories the Quebec to Kansas and then the Santa Fe to San Francisco one 
the guy clearly has his nose to the grindstone. He's clearly working hard and he's practicing exactly what he preaches. So you you got to appreciate that amongst him. He's definitely earned this opportunity. And hopefully we see him stick around in the Atlantic League, if not higher levels, once the Road Warriors tenure is done. Yeah, I, I hope so. And yeah, so I did want to start by pointing that out. I think you're right to echo that. He is an impressive young guy and really doing a good job with everything that he's got going on there. Now, the second thing I do want to point out, as I mentioned in the intro, he really does put some praise on Andrew Dunn here. We are talking about two different Andrew Dunns from the perspective of Joe, who we heard from in our first interview, and the perspective of TJ, who we heard from in this interview. TJ makes him the kind of baseball guy. He mentions him, he calls him a baseball guy. He's looking out for his players. And the reason that he doesn't want guys like Joe there is because guys like Joe uh, are pervasive. In the mindset of what TJ said, Andrew Dunn thinks, pervasive to his league, but mostly to the players. And I just want to jump in real quick to cut you off. He never mentions Joe by name. I think never mentions Joe by uh, name. Yeah. Obviously if you are listening to this point, you have listened to the whole thing, but he, he never does mention Joe by name. He just says a lot of these for profit scouting leagues or these scouting organizations, things like that. So I think, and I don't want to speak for him, but I kind of got the inference was things like baseball scouting league, uh, and particularly the Black Sox, because he did mention, and I just want to touch on the guys that are going to be banned from the league, and then he goes on to describe pretty much what the Black Sox are. I just want to quickly interject. He never mentioned anyone by name, yeah, but it did seem inferred to me. Right, and that does seem inferred, and, and I'm not suggesting that he's he went after Joe or anything like that, but what he did, go at, what he did touch upon here, that these leagues, Andrew Dunn is... This character, who is certainly someone that is very important to the Pecos League, very important to TJ's own choices and TJ's own abilities. Uh, he has kind of helped him to get where he is. Now, my biggest issue, kind of with what he suggests about these scouting leagues, is one that, as we heard from Joe, that he says these leagues are absolutely. Uh, not in charge of everything that's going on, that these leagues are pervasive for um, for, for Andrew Dunn, for the players. And, and the, the issue here is Andrew Dunn makes money off of his own league, right? He, his own winter yeah. league, his own Black Sox-type organization, his whole pro baseball scouting yeah, league organization. His winter league, his Texas his league. winter league. Yeah, yeah, he makes money off of this, right? So to do this, first part of my issue with that is – Andrew has his own. Okay, so you can't tell me that these are bad, and then someone you care about and says cares about his players so much, that's the whole reason behind shutting these guys down and banning people from the league is because you don't like, because Andrew uh, doesn't think that this is a good thing. Well, Andrew has his own, so, I mean, clearly that's a problem, right? And he's making money off of these guys not going to the, the Black Sox and Pro Baseball Scouting League and other places as well so that's my first issue and my second issue is we are if we're going on this thought process that these guys are in some way uh younger and not really kind of being guided into this uh not in really in great ways by these organizations that are only out for the money and not out for the players 
well, you're taking all the agency of guys who are 25, 26 years old, in some cases 22, 23. But for the most part, you're talking about mid-20s guys who should have a rational understanding of how the world works. These are not children. They are grown adult men. And so to say these guys don't understand it, one, I think is vastly untrue for the majority of people. I think, and the second thing is, Joe and other leagues, we heard Joe in the interview say, I will stop a guy from going to the Pecos League if I don't think he can handle it. Right? So these leagues are not trying to, these guys are not trying to get over on players. Joe is not trying to get over on players. The assertion that the Black Sox or other organizations are just trying to get money from guys and providing no service is flatly incorrect, in my opinion. It's a, and I think where TJ's big concern was, was how a lot of the scouting leagues, they don't apply a direct path, that they're not affiliated with a league. And I think that's where his concern was. Although I do agree with you how I, I don't really... Joe clearly does care about his guys. We said this a lot on the last episode. So if he's stopping them from going to a league, he's clearly thinking about them. As far as the Pecos League and their leagues are concerned, I really don't see what the difference here is, whether they play in a Pecos League or they play in a uh, an, out- an outside league. All is the same there across the board with the players here. And like you said, at a certain point, it becomes the player's responsibility here. And I understand the argument of... Yeah, well, yes, it's, of course, their final decision there to choose and whatever it may be. At the same time, like you say, they're college graduates. They're 22-plus years old. You should kind of understand how this whole system works. And I do, and Joe touched on this, too, how a lot of times they come right out of college and they don't know what to do. At the same time, though, if you don't know what to do, look up resources. IndieWall's been around since 1993. So it's not like it's this brand new invention. Hell, almost it's been around since every college graduate now. The class of 2020 has always had indie ball in their life. So I find it very hard for a lot of them to not know it exists, especially those on the East Coast and in the Midwest. You probably had a local team growing up, so you know that's a pathway. So then ask about how you get involved in that. You can Google search that. There's steps you can take to inform yourself. So I right. I don't have too much sympathy for the guys that just wind up going there and then figuring out, oh, wait, this isn't exactly how it is. Just because you could inform yourself. It takes some work and it takes some thinking. But yeah, I, I, I definitely echo that. Absolutely. And so, and just some other points that I wanted to take away from this interview, some perhaps more, uh, some lighter points from it, was that he just uh, seemed like a guy who understood the inner workings of the Pecos League. What I really got from this interview, and I'm sure you'll touch upon it, is how integral the Pecos League is to the entire cog that is independent league baseball, right? The Pecos League is an important jumping off point, and it is important for the Pecos League and the Black Sox and Pro Baseball Scouting League and all these other organizations to work together with the Pecos League because the Pecos League is the only thing that has its own set of teams, its own entire and complete league that works through all of that, right? So the Black Sox are great, but they don't have their own league, right? So the Pecos Mm -hmm. League is its own thing that is really good to have as a springboard, a difficult springboard. You're you're not sleeping in good conditions. You're all, all the time. Although he did say that there's sometimes we have the American Association quality 
hotels and other things. But for the most part, I think it's fair to say, given the body of work in the interview and things that we've also seen overall about the Pecos League, that you're not going to always get those really nice amenities. You're not going to get the, the bells and whistles that come along with playing in a little bit higher of a league. But what you will get is the opportunity to work hard. He even said, you're, you know, you're not really going to get developed because there's just so much to do. If you're looking to go somewhere and get developed by a coach, it's not really going to happen. Oh, yeah. No, and that, they both said that, too. I mean, they both were quite honest. Like, there's not much we could do to develop you as a ball player because we just have so many people that we have to handle and so many other things that have to be, get done. Really, we're just doing what we're doing is just giving you the mindset on how what you need to do to be successful. On TJ's case, he did say, though, if a guy comes to me and I'm sure Joe's the same way, but if, if you're coming to me and say, I need help with this. Can you watch this? He's going to do his best to help you. But at the same time, there's only so much that can be done. Right. Absolutely. There's only so much can be done. Although I think Joe does can certainly do more in terms of the incremental development, the everyday, the timing, the swing, all those kind of things. Although he did say he doesn't really want to change people's swings. He, he wants to really have that more of mindset change, which is really vital. And, and you did touch upon Um but I just want to – I also think overall from what TJ said, uh, he's been a player. He's been a manager. He's been a player coach. Um, he's moved all throughout the Pecos League. He understands it in and out. Uh, he had those really cool interactions where he was able to go to – I think it was San Rafael. Um, yeah, yeah. when he drove was, from uh, Santa Fe up there. Right, drove to, from Santa Fe to San Rafael, and he's that's what allowed him to get the opportunity now with the Road Warriors. That was really – insightful really cool to hear overall from him while i might disagree totally uh, on some points what he has to say about the uh, the scouting organizations i really appreciated his perspective on what it's like to be an everyday person in one of these leagues uh especially how to utilize it i mean we talk about on the show all the time about these higher level leagues, the Frontier League, the American Association, and the Atlantic League. In particular, we spend a lot of time on the Atlantic League. It's kind of the top of the top. And what we see in a guy like TJ is how to get there, right? How to, if you love baseball enough, you can get to one of these leagues. You can get to the Atlantic League through the Pecos League if you're so dedicated and that, you, that you're able to do it. And so that's why I really want to tip my cap to him. It was a great interview from the standpoint of just understanding how things work in this league that we don't really get to talk about that much. One, geographically, it's difficult because it's so far away from us. And two, the media resources available to us are quite limited. So it was really interesting to get this day-to-day -day thing without some of the um, you know news stories that may, as he say, be a little hyperbolic um, in terms of the situations. However, I don't know if we can count out all of those news stories. I think there's a lot of sources that say there's a lot of issues with the Pecos League. So we don't want to, I think we've got to be careful with playing the middle road and say this is one person's experience, but certainly there have been other experiences that are vastly different uh, than TJ's experience. Yeah, and there's three things I, I want to touch on. One, like you said, it definitely is a springboard league. There's no one across, across the board, everyone agrees, it's rough, it's tough, but it will get you where you want to be if you're the kind of guy that's cut for it. And when he was saying how, you know, he's got guys that 
look, they got to water the field. They got to rake the diamond. They got to paint the lines. They're the ones who got to, you know, cut the grass, open the press box, get everything going. That This is what the players have to do. If they want, you want a smooth diamond, well, guess what? You're dragging that rake. You're smoothing it out. That's not, that's your decision. If you want it, you got to do it. And just talking about that and talking about that grind and the, the constant hustle it is, how, you know, the game ends at nine o'clock at night or sometimes even starts at like eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night. And you're not done till midnight. And then you got to go drive from Roswell out to Trinidad. And then the next day you're driving out to Bakersfield. You know, you got to do these long car trips here. It, it definitely grinds on you. It definitely wears on you. It definitely narrows that pool down to the guys that really, really, really want to play baseball for a living. If not for only two years, obviously longer they want to, but they every day it weeds out more guys and it narrows it down to just the diehards there. That's one thing that I, I definitely agree with across the board there. The second thing that came to my mind was a lot how he was talking about how some of the guys that do complain about that his belief was that, look, it's just guys that didn't make it, they didn't cut, so now they're blaming the league for it, they're saying the conditions and whatnot, you know, I didn't get that springboard start, I didn't get that jump off the board, and now I'm going to blame the league for it because the conditions were terrible, it was so rough to manage it, it didn't do what it said it was going to do for me, and now we put down the guys. And while I think that is fair to a certain extent, certainly you'll get in You'll get out from the Pecos League what you put into it, and that goes for just about anything you do. I agree with him on that front, that there's probably a handful of guys like that. However, again, just the vast number of people we get here, and the fact that it's just unsolicited, too. I mean, th- that's the thing. Like, occasionally we'll throw out, like we said at the end of last interview, as we said on past episodes, you know, if you have any experience with it, let us know and whatnot. But there's some times where we don't toss it out there, and we still get messages like, Hey guys, I heard a couple episodes back you were talking about the Pecos League, or you mentioned the Pecos League. I played in it. Do you do you want to hear what my experience was in it? And so naturally we'll go, well, of course, you know, we're we're interested. And then they give us this long recount of how, you know, this whole thing is a sham, how it's a last resort, this whole thing. And of course, you gotta take it with a grain of salt if it's coming out of nowhere. If you constantly see it, if you get five, ten, fifteen people all yep. saying this, and you see online, you see all this stuff, there comes a certain point where you go, even if 80% of it's bullshit, 20% of it isn't. And that's not right. a lot. It's not like yeah. it's, you know, a handful of people. It's it's a sizable number. It's a dozen or more. And that, that starts to become, mm, how above board are you? You know? Right. And, and that's why a lot of what TJ, that's why I wanted to point out, a lot of what TJ said about the league from a positive standpoint was his own personal experience. However, that's not to suggest that other people haven't had very poor personal experiences that can certainly go on for days and days about the Pecos League. And that's why, again, I think it's so important to get a guy like Andrew Dunn on to talk about this so we can really get the full scope, the full perspective of him and this league that he's in charge of almost on his own or on his own as TJ put it. So I really think, you know, there's a lot of accounts out there that would say the Pecos League is less than uh, top tier and in many ways unprofessional at the least. And you just touched on two of my points. My my last major point and my kind of sub point on this uh, second bullet. 
Howard Sandra Dunn's running this league by himself, runs 13 of the 14 teams all by himself. He's doing everything he can, and I'm certain he is. I'm certain he's trying the best he can to run 13 teams. But if Joe is correct, and I have no reason to believe he wouldn't be correct, he offered to run a team entirely, fund the thing, pay the players, pay the coaches, construct his own roster in White Sands, which I believe is somewhere out in New Mexico, which obviously is not the most desirable location to be. If you have people offering, like, hey, look, I'll run a team for you. I just need the autonomy. I need to be allowed to pay my guys. And when he goes, no, 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 you can't pay them. You can't, you can't pay them. You can't do that. And I, I want to have final say on everything. Then I'm sorry. I can't give you any real sympathy when people turn around and go, well, he's running the league himself. Well, he got offers to not. And it's not like there are outrageous asks where he's like, give me ownership of the team. It was, let me make the calls for the baseball decisions on this team. Hell, I'll run the other off-the-field stuff, too, if you want me to. But I need to have total control on the baseball moves, um, the team that I field every day. And so when you just kind of slap that hand away, it's like, well, do you really want the help? Because if you right. don't want it, then I can't give you credit for doing it all on your own. You know, right. I mean, he's not forced. Clearly, he's not forced to do this on his own. He can take in partners. He can take on a lot of different things. And, you know, he, he touched on financially. He said, you know, if Andrew was a gazillionaire, as he put it, then he would be able to pay his guys more and stay in nicer hotels and things like that. Well, I mean, it's not impossible. It's not unfeasible for Andrew to get equity partners right i mean yeah. that's not like correct me if i'm wrong that's a legal thing that can happen right oh yeah absolutely <laughs> could. i mean like the atlantic league technically has well, the atlantic league has individual franchise owners but i believe the league has two or three different guys that are running the show so i mean it's definitely you can definitely sell off parts of it or give he, give, he could sell off teams and not have to have such a centralized power there could be a lot of things going on there he could still um, have the quasi centralized power too like let's be clear about this he could sell the team under a certain set of guidelines and say look you you have ownership of the team you could do what you want within this range that you still right. have to adhere to these basic guidelines these rules still and I, he can even say, and I'm going to have oversight on it. If it turns out that you're not running the team correctly or you're doing a poor job or sabotaging the team or something like that, you know, I reserve the right to retake ownership. Now, maybe you have to concede a fee or something. I'm not sure. I'm not a lawyer. I don't know the law on that. I'm not sure how all that would work, but I'm certain that something like that is possible. You could put that in as a condition of sale. So... I mean, there's there's other options here. And I don't want us to make this out to be like we're attacking what TJ is saying and saying that, sure, you had a personal experience, but nobody else has. Because I'm certain there are a lot of people that have had positive experiences. with oh, 100%. The Pickles, like 100%. And like, he, like TJ even said, there are guys that... The one guy went from Santa Fe right to the Atlantic. Like, I'm sure off the bat, that's a positive experience. And right. I, TJ is a guy, I think he's a great guy. I really enjoy having him on, and I think we should have him on again sooner than later. But at the same time, a lot of the points and a lot of the positive things he's, he's saying about the league here, I'm just left kind of going, upon reflection, like, ah, how much credit can you really give him? Sure, it's impressive what, what Dunn's been able to do by himself, but he chose to take on that burden himself. No, he. I'm sure he's had offers like Joe's in the past where, you know, I'll take on a team or two. 
and he just turned them down. I mean, he's taking on even more teams now with Martinez and Pittsburgh. And how much of that can I go? Well, he's doing a good job. He's taking on even more work. When, right. You know, it's, yeah. it's an interesting position to be in. It is an interesting position. I think, again, I'd love to hear from Andrew on this. Exactly. I want to talk to him. Exactly. I uh, echo that 100%. Or we I, really I, do I need to get him, him on. Yeah, we do. And I really want to hear from him because he can give us insight onto these things that we just don't have from either of, of these two guys who are extremely credible. I found them both to be credible, but I both of them to be talking about different experiences, right? I mean, especially TJ, he's talking about a very positive experience because he had one, not an easy experience, but one that was fruitful for him. And I could understand that how your perception would change if you are, you know, now an Atlantic league hitting coach. Um, and as opposed to someone who is out of baseball entirely and you're sleeping in a little seedy super eight motel or something, I could completely see how someone would have a different change of viewpoint there if you don't get to that next level as a player or a coach, right? If you're stuck at the Pecos League and then you get cut by a Pecos League team and that's it, your career's over after spending an entire season grinding away in the types of ways that you brought up uh, and TJ brought up, I could see how somebody's not going to have a good reaction and how TJ would have a better reaction to the Pecos League and a different understanding of how the league works. However, again, I do want to say we're not trying to be combative with TJ. We respect and understand his experience, but the reality is it's not the experience that we've heard of from a lot of different people. A lot of different people have told us a very different experience. So we can only go with the numbers that we have now if we're weighing these things out. It is not, we are not anti-Pecos League. I am not anti-Pecos League. I think the Pecos League is an important cog, but clearly, clearly we have heard that there are issues. This is not something that is just us talking about. There's a lot of articles that you could read about Pecos League teams and Pecos League players having serious problems uh, and documentaries. There's a documentary out there. I mean, there are serious issues. And to not say that there are serious issues to me, suggests that you have a, a you're looking at it from a different lens than a lot of these guys are, and for whatever reason that he's looking at it through a different lens, uh, that might be something to look into. Uh, maybe there is bias against the league by guys who don't uh, succeed, but more often than not, I do think that some of the critiques I've heard about the league that TJ would refute. Uh, I still give a lot of credibility and credence to uh, just because of how how many times I've heard the same things about the Pecos League echoed over and over and over again over people who've DM'd me, people on different platforms, people on, you know, in the media, documentaries, many different things are recorded and recounted about how the Pecos League works. But, again, I do think that he is touching on something very important that the league one is an important league and two that it is not something we should discredit because there are these negative reports that we need to understand what it is and we need to you know guys need to be aware of what it is but that doesn't mean that this league can't work and that doesn't mean that this league should go away for some guys it is a invaluable resource to them. exactly so i it, think that's that's a major takeaway for me exactly it's it's definitely a tool it's maybe a flawed tool, but it's a tool where it does do its job. It moves guys on to higher levels. It's just, 
you know, you have to go through a lot of adversity in it to get there. And TJ's 100% right. They're not forcing anybody to join this league, and they're not stopping anybody from leaving this league also. They make that decision to show up and to play, and they can leave whenever they want, and they have the ability to move on from it. And you're right, too, as that it does serve its purpose. It has its design purpose of being a vestige of players that couldn't quite hack in other leagues, but still want to have that professional baseball experience that needed to get their reps, that need to get their film, that need to get their stats, and do all of that. It has its purpose, and you're free to show up and leave. At the same time, you can't really be annoyed at players when you know they passed up other opportunities, perhaps, outside of baseball or not, under the guise of, okay, it's a professional league, I like what I'm hearing, I'm seeing a lot of mobility from this league, it may have never been promised, but it was certainly given as it's a very possible outcome that you move along through the independent ranks and eventually to affiliated ball, and then who knows from there. But if you pass up an opportunity for that for that one shot at moving up the chain and you wind up sleeping in the motel eights every night driving nine hours from location to location putting in all this hard work doing the grounds crew work and the press relations work and the ball player work you do all of this you put in 18 hour days 19 hour days if not more consistently and your end result is you batted around 300 hit 10 home runs over 60 games and you wound up just the career ends there because you wind up not another Pecos League roster or you get trapped in that league and nobody else wants to take you whether it's because of the reputation that the league has that's where it ends and you passed up a good opportunity that you really could have been sitting rather successfully at now if you had taken that one and well yes that is on the player for making that decision same time, though, it, you could see why they made it and why they'd have hard feelings about it. Right, absolutely. And, and that's the important point of divergence here between both Joe and TJ is that TJ is saying this league helps guys from the bottom of its heart. And Joe is saying this league helps guys because it makes money. And sometimes it just doesn't really help guys. Sometimes Andrew Dunn is concerned with holding on to players more so than he is promoting them to the next level, uh, which he did point out in the interview. So I think, again, we're getting conflicting reports about Andrew Dunn, conflicting reports about the league. And that's why I'd love to have Dunn on, as we've said many, many times um, throughout the show. And I just think overall, it's an interesting dynamic here with the Pecos League. It's hard to know really what is uh, what it is. You know, it's, it's very important to get that firsthand account. But Joe did play in the Pecos League and said some of the similar things. It's an important piece if you can utilize it properly. But he understands that some guys just aren't able to do it. And it's not a knock against those guys. It's just because of how difficult it is to live you know, on the road, out of your car uh, for such a long period of time, going from motel to motel, some of which, as TJ even kind of gave into himself, that aren't good motels, that aren't good places to stay, uh, might be a little seedy. You might have a couple of characters there uh, that are less than uh, than what you want uh, and, and make distractions for those trying to be very focused on their production and their development as a baseball player so i I understand that 
And again, I understand both of these guys' points. Uh, the only thing that I would say that there needs to be a melding of the relationship here, a soothing of the relationship between the Pecos League and these scouting organizations. Again, Joe was never mentioned by particular, but he's the kind of the proxy uh, yeah. person who's been. Uh, you he's know, been the one about. that's been the spotlight as of recent. Right. Yeah. And so I'll I'll use his name, but that is not to suggest. And I yeah, do just mean take him not. for example. To use Joe as an example, Joe has a vital role to play in everything. Uh, his, the Black Sox, Pro Baseball Scouting League, all of these other different organizations are have played an important role in getting guys opportunities, whether it is in the Pecos League or at a higher level. And so it it's very important that that relationship is smoothed over so that these two things can work symbiotically and you can have a good relationship between the two per on what he said for very many years he was kind of the go between between the league and a lot of these other organizations that were having issues um and and now andrew dunn just simply isn't uh interested in using joe he says from a monetary perspective and to me the monetary aspect makes too much sense right i mean yeah. everything at the end of the day comes down to dollars and cents Andrew to see an opportunity to make some money off of a winter league uh, and see guys like Joe doing what he's doing. To me, it makes sense. It's good business uh, to, to, to want to get rid of that guy, but it is so important to have someone like Joe there uh, and, and be able to tell guys and educate guys. Because if you have someone like Joe there, it acts as a buffer because you're always going to get a higher quality of player. Yes. Joe is getting paid for what he does, but he is giving a service. He's rendering a service that allows guys to understand what the Pecos League is. And that's how you get less of these stories of people being upset with the league. Because if you know what you're dealing with going in, because Joe has told you over and over and over again, this is going to be a difficult experience. But if you get through it, it's a really good way to get your name out there to get scouted. So guys are going to go do it consistently. Guys will continue to do it whether Joe's there or not. But if Joe's there and he's allowed to put the guys that care enough to pay him money to move to help them with their baseball futures, then you're going to get a higher level of person. So Joe, Pro Baseball Scouting League, other scouting leagues are an important buffer for these indie leagues. So you get less guys who are just relying on, you know, this wild dream when they probably didn't even play college ball. You know, I mean, you could get it's not crazy to think you might have guys on Pecos League rosters that don't have any collegiate baseball experience. And if that's the case, then, you know, I mean, that's not what you want, right? And so yeah. Joe is there to protect against that, to be that buffer guy. Exactly. I almost feel like, in a sense here, and I'll wrap it up quickly because we are we're going a little bit long and I do want to touch quickly on the Atlantic League stuff too, but they ramp up the Pecos League bit. I almost feel like they're two sides of the same coin almost where they both have the same end goal they want to help guys move along and get to higher levels of professional baseball they both preach the same thing where you have to have that mentality of you want to be a professional baseball player that you're not going to have somebody looking over your shoulder making sure you're doing what you're supposed to be doing you should just know to do that you should just know that you need to put in extra work outside of what we're telling you you need to do. That you need to be willing to go all out. You need to be willing to, you know, travel those eight hours in the dark New Mexico night from location to location and just keep going and run on empty. 
you need to be willing to do that. They're both preaching that same exact thing. So that's why I feel like they're almost the same side. Now, of course, each of them does have a very different perspective and they each have uh, a very different main function, a main goal. TJ's goal is obviously as a manager to win games. His goal is to move his guys along to a higher level while maintaining a winning structure. And Joe's goal is just to move his guys along into the most successful position possible for them. That's obviously what their main objectives are. And they both do it very well. But it, it's something that's interesting. And like we've said many times this episode, and we said a little bit the previous episode and a little bit the episode before that, we really need Andrew Dunn on here. So if someone has his contact information, we'd love to be able to get in touch with him because we'd love to schedule something to have him on. Obviously, we have a couple of moving parts. Yeah, we have a couple of moving parts for other people that we want to get on sooner than later, too. But we'd accommodate him fairly. And again, I think we proved with this uh, double header episode series, if you'd go, if you'd call it that much, that we're very fair and we're not going to be springing something on you. We're not launching the gotcha questions. We're not coming in trying to prove our reality right. We're just, we're just coming on. We're letting our guests give their piece, say their piece, give us information on the topic and tell us as much as they know. That's all we want. We want the information out there and then we're going to discuss it and we're going to break it down. So I don't believe we've proven to be unfair. I don't think we've proven to be overly hostile, skeptical. Sure. But I think that's perfectly fair to be at this moment. I think it's, I think we created an environment where that's perfectly fair to say that if Andrew Dunn wants to come on, he can state his piece, he can state his mind, he can make his case fairly without any sort of objection here. And as both the guys we've had on will say, I barely even touched their audio in that interview. I did not mess with the structure of anything. I never would tamper with something like that. That would just, it would invalidate what we do and it would make people much more apprehensive to come on in the future and i certainly don't want that kind of environment i want people to be to feel free and open that they can talk their mind and let their peace be said uh before they come on absolutely and no matter what our opinions are on this and we certainly have them uh they might be strong one way or the other and we certainly know when my to cut it we certainly own up to them we'll own our opinions and what we say and we'll admit when we're wrong i mean we've done that in the past where we'll give a take on something and it proved wrong and we said well we were wrong we were wrong absolutely i mean i will uh i will always own up to the fact that i that there's so much to know in the indie ball world and we are in the process of learning it and that's why we want to have these guys on so you can give your piece to not only us but to our listeners to everybody out there i want you to make up your own mind right whatever we say is one thing but make up your own mind make up and especially for the players right don't let this completely dissuade you from going to the Pecos League. Look at the Pecos League and understand what it is and if it's right for you. I think it's important to get out there both sides. Uh, and I think both of these guys spoke their own truths. I didn't get a sense that either of them were not being truthful to what they believed, um, which I thought was great. And again, two really good guests. We appreciate their time so much. We appreciate both of their perspectives. Exactly. And I don't think either one of them 
was saying any sort of untruth, but what they experience is their experience, and they know what they experienced, and obviously some people will have a positive experience, other people won't, and obviously the angle you're attacking on it, it's going to be different. One guy's a coach, and he works much closely, much more consistently with the league. The other guy is running a scouting organization where he tries to get his guys into the best position possible. So his interaction with the league, sure, is still happening frequently, but isn't on the same level and in the same conditions as the other guys. So, you know, a lot a lot changes from there to there. But I think we kind of said our piece on the Pecos League aspect of this, and I just want to quickly spend maybe three or four minutes quickly on his, uh, his take on the Atlantic League, which I thought was very interesting to see how that structure works. And obviously, the Road Warriors are going to be an Atlantic League-ran team, so it's not surprising they're going to have a heavy say in that. But I would have thought... Uh, he would have got a little bit more control over the roster, or at least a little bit more input. And it also to me sounds like he was kind of downplaying his role in the the few guys, but still guys signed so far. Right. I mean, he certainly was. And I think it shows that, again, the Atlantic League has a power structure in place like any of these leagues. And it's very important to have that power structure in place. Um, but I think, you know, again, it, it is interesting that, you know, as you suggest, the Atlantic League is not going to let a team, especially like the Road Warriors, have its own shots, call its own shots really from here, only because seemingly, uh, certainly from what he says, I mean, let's be honest, this is something that the the Road Warriors not going to go out here and win the league championship. Um, uh, I still hold on the hope that they are. I want to see this no matter what. Just imagine them hoisting the trophy after playing everything on the road, making the postseason, doing all that, and hoisting that trophy in the middle of Sugarland's feet. I mean, that would be something else, wouldn't it? It'd be uh, hilarious. The wives what it would be, especially because Sugarland would probably just switch teams with them halfway through. You'd have to, you know, at that point, you'd have to, you know, make a movie out of something like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, you're again. The, so the Road Warriors are a difficult circumstance. So I could see how the league would want to have a lot of control over that. Um, also, you know, downplaying, uh, you know, how much control you have over the roster. Uh, makes sense, even if it's, uh, you know, a little bit of spin only because, uh, look, if the team doesn't do really well. You don't really want to be attached, uh, to all of those decisions. So, um, you know, I, I can understand. I thought it was more or less coming just from a respect for Ellie. You know, I, that's where I kind of got it from less of a, I don't want to be attached to this one. It doesn't do well. It's more like a, like Ellie's been around a while and I, I respect him. I, when he asks for my input, I give it, but I'm not going to force my way on it. I agree. I got and, more and of I, that. I think that everybody in the independent league community has has a lot of respect uh, for Ellie Rodriguez, um, a baseball community in general, I should say. Um, and I certainly have a ton of profound respect for him. He is really someone who does a lot of great work, has done a lot of great work for baseball. Coming back and being the Road Warriors manager, it's really just you know taken up the mantle for the Atlantic League. Um, so it makes sense that he's the one calling the shots. Look, I mean, and, and, and like you said, right, TJ's 29, too. So there's yeah. that aspect of it as well. Um, and, and so I think that's also very much a part of what's going on here. So that yeah. TJ's 29 and Ellie has had, you know, probably more than 29 years of baseball experience. So uh, I think that the experience level might go into that decision-making process as well. And also, again, the league has a certain level of input, I think, there too. 
I just wanted to bring it up quickly there. And I, again, I can't understate how impressive it is that he's at the level he's at at 29 years old. Like, that is really outstanding to me that he managed to get that point. And I just can't see a reality where he winds up in the Pecos League next year. Especially if all these supposed expansions are coming in the next two years of the Frontier League. Now, I'm not sure the coronavirus is going to put a damper on those plans. I got to imagine they at least affect them in some way. But... I, I can't picture a world where he's not part of an American association or Atlantic League or even Frontier League program next year. That it just that doesn't factor into my mind. If at thirty he already has like four years of managerial experience, a year of experience in the Atlantic League, you need to have him on a roster. That's my point. Absolutely. Yeah, that's the point. You need to have him coaching somewhere next year. I could see it being the Atlantic League, especially if he gets comfortable with some guys, especially if the Rogue Warriors, as you want, uh, do overperform offensively. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if the Rogue Warriors do overperform uh, offensively, he's going to get a lot of credit for that, uh, as rightfully so. And I think that he's going to really have the opportunity to stick around at these higher levels that he really wants to. And I think I wouldn't be surprised if by 40 he's on an affiliated coaching staff because of just how high his arc has been you know for the past decade plus you know and so yeah. now let's see how high he can go for the next 10 years i wouldn't be surprised to see him uh, coaching an affiliated baseball a good baseball guy understands the x and o's and definitely is trying to work his way to where he wants to be and you got to respect that 100 percent. and again i just want to thank tj for coming on the show and again he's more than welcome back anytime he wants and uh, great guy. I really do admire his hard work and his determination and the insight that he brought on the situation as a whole. And uh, with that, I think we can kind of close it out now because we've been talking, including our little preamble bit in our discussion afterwards for nearly an hour on this, which just shows how great of guests we've had this week. And again, both of them welcome to come back whenever they want. We look forward to hearing from them. And again, we are always on the prowl for good guests. We always want to have the most interesting guys now, especially because we have the phone working. So it makes it so much easier to have people on. And so you can find us on Instagram, Indie Ball James, or Indie Ball Report Podcast. Or not Indie Ball Report Podcast is our YouTube channel, but Indie Ball Report is our handle on Instagram. On Twitter, our handle is Indie Ball Pod. You can contact us there. Be sure to follow us on all of these social media outlets to stay up to date with transactions, uh, news happenings, fancy graphics, uh, our March Madness, which you should have seen our video that came out on our YouTube channel, Indie Ball Report Podcast on YouTube, or on our website, www.indieballreport.com. We're winding down on it, and come our next episode, we should be ready to crown our champion of 2020 for the Indie Ball Report March Madness Tournament. So you won't want to miss next week. You can listen to the show on Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, Podomatic, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, really anywhere you can find podcasts. But wherever you listen, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for more content and to help us grow so we can continue to get these high-name guests, these big, high-leverage um coverage opportunities will continue to arise and we'll be able to do an even more thorough job but uh, unless we have anything else left to add nope nothing left to add except everybody be safe stay well uh we hope that this coronavirus is uh, covid19 will pass uh, and we'll keep making content to get you through it 100 percent there 
And again, thank you to both our guests, both the Joe Torrey of Black Sox Baseball and TJ Zarowicz from the Atlantic League's Road Warriors staff. Thank you both for coming on. Your insight was greatly appreciated, and we look forward to talking to you again soon. But until next time, don't forget to play ball. <laughs>